What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the CPA Zone, the podcast where we discuss tax strategies and accounting tips for entrepreneurs and real estate investors. My name is Ryan Pulis, and our company, The Pulis Group, offers tax planning and advisory services for entrepreneurs like you. Whether it's bookkeeping, tax planning, or CFO services that you're looking for, we've got you covered. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the CPA Zone, brought to you by the Pulis Group. Today, we're going to talk about passive activity loss rules. So these become very important for anyone investing in passive businesses or investing in real estate. So from a tax perspective, all activities are either passive or non-passive. Passive activities come with rules that limit your ability to deduct losses. Passive activities include rentals or businesses in which you do not materially participate. So generally, rental activities are considered passive even if you do materially materially participate, which we're going to talk about what that means here in just a minute. So passive activity losses are allowed to the extent of passive income. Losses in excess of passive income are suspended and carried forward. Passive income from one activity can offset passive losses in another activity. So let's say you invest in real estate and your rental properties are showing a loss, but you also invest in another passive business that is generating income, or you can net the losses against the income because they're both passive activities. So these these rules come into play a lot with real estate investors. Um, we do a lot of work with real estate investors. Many of our clients are real estate invest real estate investors. I myself am a real estate investor. I got started into it when I noticed all the tax benefits, and I started actually seeing those in practice and how well they worked. And real, investing in real estate, even if it's passive, there are still ways to enhance your your return on investment and do a lot to reduce your effective tax rate, in a sense. You may not be deducting all your losses, but you can still achieve many tax benefits through investing in real estate, no matter what your role is. You don't have to qualify for some of the things we're gonna talk about today, like a real estate professional necessarily. There are added benefits to qualifying as a real estate professional, but the tax benefits aren't the only reason to invest in real estate. So getting back to our discussion about passive activity losses, Again, rental real estate, default passive activity, other businesses in which you don't materially participate, also passive. So what exactly is material participation? Participation itself in general means any type of work done in an activity by an individual who owns an interest. So if you own an interest in a rental property or a business and you perform work, that is participation. Material participation to achieve that, that you must be involved in the operations on a regular, continuous, and substantial basis. And there are seven tests that the IRS gives us that can be used to demonstrate material participation. Now, we're not going to go through all seven. We'll talk about the ones that are most common. So first, you have participating more than 500 hours during the year. So if you are involved for 500 hours or more in the activity during the year, you're going to be able to show material participation. The second test is called the substantially all test. So you perform substantially all of the work in the activity during the year. No one else is really involved, or if they are, it's a very, very minor role. You're pretty much doing everything. That's material participation. The third most common test is what we call the 100 hours and more than anyone else role. 
So you have to show 100 hours or more, more than 100 hours of participation during the year and be more, doing more than anyone else. So if someone else performs work and they've hit, let's say 110 hours, then you need to hit at least 111 hours to pass this test. One last is, one last test is called, it's what we call a facts and circumstances test. So if you participate more than 100 hours, but maybe someone else is also involved and close to or over that 100 hours or over the limit you've done, if all the facts and circumstances can show that you materially participated, then it's still possible to pass on using this test. This is probably the more difficult. The easier tests that really kind of make it more clear cut are substantially all your 100 hours and more than anyone else or the 500 hours or more during the year. So those are those are the tests you're going to use to achieve or show material participation to the IRS. So when you hit that material participation, it can convert a passive activity such as a business into non-passive. So it's no longer in this passive bucket. With a rental real estate, that's not the case. Even if you materially participate, rental real estate is still considered passive. There are three exceptions to that. So when we're dealing with rental properties, three ways to get the rental activity out of this per se passive bucket is one, to qualify as a real estate professional, two, a complete disposition of the activity, so you sell it. The, the selling the activity or disposing of it, that applies to any passive activity, even if there's a, another passive business that you're involved in that you don't materially participate in, if you sell it, it frees up those losses. The third, for real estate is called active participation and your modified adjusted gross income needs to be less than $100,000. So we'll talk about each of these in a bit more detail. So first we had real estate professional status. So real estate professional status is, it's a special status designated by the IRS if you pass certain tests for purposes of getting out of this default passive bucket with your rental properties. There's two hurdles that you must pass to qualify as a real estate professional. The first is more than 50% of your work has to be in real property trades or businesses in which you materially participate. Now, more than 50%, that means if you have a full-time W-2 job in some other role that's not in the real estate property trades or businesses, it's gonna be extremely difficult, if not impossible, to pass this test. Your main job really needs to be in real estate a real estate agent, construction, development of real estate, those types of things. If more than 50% of your time is spent in a real real estate trader business, you clear one hurdle. The second hurdle is you must perform greater than 750 hours in a real property trader business in which you materially participate. So again, in a real property trader business, you have to have more than 750 hours. So if you're only if you're more than 50% that and your total hours under 750, you're still not going to qualify. You need to pass both tests. And if you're filing a joint return, one spouse must pass both tests or clear both hurdles on their own. You can't combine your spouse's time here. Now with material participation, you are allowed to combine time with your spouse. So that's a key difference. So in addition to clearing the two hurdles for a real estate professional, that's the greater than 50% of your time, 
and the 750 hours test, you must also you must also demonstrate material participation in the rental activity or activities to deduct your losses. So maybe you qual qualify as a real estate professional because you're a real estate agent. That's great. That gets you out of the passive default passive bucket. But now you still need to show material participation in your rental activities in order to in order to deduct those losses. So you can say there's really three tests. More than 50% of your time in real property trades or businesses, more than 750 hours real property trade or businesses, great, past the first two. You're out of the default passive bucket because you're a real estate professional. Now you need to show material participation in your rental properties. Then you can deduct your losses. So that's what qualifying as a real estate professional is passing those, those two tests, 50% of your time in 750 hours. Then you materially participate in the rental activities in order to deduct the losses. And with those rental activities, you need to materially participate in each one. So if you have five rentals, you need to show it in all five. However, because that can be extremely difficult, there's an election you make where you can group all of your rentals into one activity. Then you only need to pay, pass the test once for the combined group of rentals. So that is sort of a high level review of real estate professional status. The second way we talked about getting around the passive activity loss rules is a sale of the real estate or a disposition of the activity. So when you sell the rental property or if it's a passive business, when you sell it, it frees up one, any current year losses. You can deduct those losses in full in the year of disposition or sale. And if you have any suspended passive losses out there related to that activity, then it frees those up as well. Now they can be used to offset your regular active income like from a W-2 or active business. The whole point of freeing up these passive losses for any of the tests, real estate professional, active participation, or a disposition or sale is be so you can deduct those losses against your other active income. So that's the most straightforward is you sell the property or the activity. The third way is called active participation, and there's income limits with this one. So with active participation, this only applies when your income is less than $100,000, and there's a phase-out range that goes up to $150,000. So this exception allows you to deduct up to $25,000 in losses against active income if, you're over, if your modified adjusted gross income is less than $100,000. The $25,000 exemption is phased out. 50 cents for every dollar your income exceeds $100,000 and is completely phased out at $150,000. So only individuals can actively participate. It can't be through an entity. The active participation, much lower threshold than material participation. It can be as simple as making management decisions like approving leases or approving service orders. You can have a property manager in place kind of running the day-to-day -day, and with you as the approval, managing the property manager, that's going to qualify as active participation. And also with active participation, you must own at least 10% of the interest in the property. So let's just talk through a quick example of how this works with the active participation in that phase-out range. So the $25,000 allowance applies when your income is less than $100,000. And as I mentioned, it phases out $0.50 cents for each dollar over $100,000. Totally gone, no exemption anymore when your income is over $150,000. So if your income falls at, let's say, $110,000 for the year, then your phase-out amount is $5,000. That's $0.50 cents times the $10,000, which is the amount your income exceeds the $100,000 floor. So your special allowance now is $20,000, 
not 25 because you phased out $5,000. Also within the passive activity law, passive activity loss rules, there are exceptions to what actually is considered a rental activity. So this passive activity loss rules, they're all found in section 469 of the Internal Revenue Code and the related regulations. So within there, there's a definition for purposes of section 469 only of what's considered a rental activity. And there are certain things that are exceptions to the definition of a rental activity. Again, only for this section of the code, it could still be a rental somewhere else. The big one here is your short-term rentals. So when the average period of customer stay is seven days or less, you have a short-term rental. That means for purposes of passive activity rules, it's not a rental. When the average customer stays seven days or less, you're, it's not technically a rental for passive activity loss rules. That's getting you out of the default uh, passive categorization, and now it's treated like any other business. So you would still need to show material participation before you can deduct losses from a short-term rental. However, it's not considered passive by default like your typical rental. This is what people are talking about when they say short-term rental loophole. Now, there are other activities that are considered not to be rentals under the passive activity loss rules. Another is when the customer use or stay is 30 days or less and you provide substantial services. So think like hotels and motels. Then again, it's not a rental for passive activity loss rules. But in this case, unlike with a short-term rental, when you're providing substantial services, now that income, if there's a, a profit, as opposed to a loss, it's subject to self-employment taxes. That's your the 15.3% uh, FICA and Medicare, 15.3% is when you do the employer and employer side, which applies when you're self-employed. Another exception to the definition of rental is whenever there are extraordinary personal services provided, regardless the average period of customer stay or use. So this would be something like a hospital or a nursing home. There are a handful of others, but they're far less common and the point is that there are exceptions to the definition of the rental. And the big one that we see a lot is the short-term rental loophole, if you will. That's when your average period of customer use is seven days or less. Out of that default passive bucket, now you only need to demonstrate material participation in order to deduct your losses. So to recap, rental properties and businesses in which you do not materially participate are considered passive. Passive losses can only be offset with other passive income. When you're dealing with rental properties, they're passive by default unless you can qualify as a real estate professional, you sell a property, or you show active participation. That gets you out of the default passive bucket. Now you need to show material participation in order to deduct your losses. With other businesses or short-term rentals, you're not in that default passive bucket, so all you need to do is show material participation now you're out of the passive category and you can deduct your losses. So I hope you found value in this episode. If so, please leave a five-star review or hit the like and subscribe button. Until next time, have a great day. So that about does it for this episode of the CPA Zone. Thanks for listening and I hope you found something valuable that you can take away. We are taking on new clients and if you'd like to work with us, then go to our website and fill out the client intake form on our contact page. This can be found at thepulisgroup.com forward slash contact. That's T-H-E-P-U-L-I-C-E-G-R-O-U-P 
dot com forward slash contact.